Genesis chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them, him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed in the Lord, as the Lord had spoken unto him. I just want to stop right there. We have been, the Lord has been dealing with our church in a most wonderful way, I would say, over the last several months. I really don't know how long. And on this, this thought that if God is of a fuller life, that God has drawn us on to something more, that God has drawn on, on us on to something in Himself fuller, not something different, but something deeper, and something more. It's not necessarily different just to be different. And if God is speaking to me, or speaking to your heart, and I believe He is, if He is prompting me or stirring me, or drawing me on to Himself to a deeper place or a fuller walk with Him, then I cannot simply remain in my current Christian routine and expect to find myself the place where God wants me to be. That's going to be our thought for the whole day. I'll say it again. If God is speaking to me or prompting me, which He is, and drawing us into a deeper place with Him, a fuller walk with Him, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, a deeper prayer life, a more intimate relationship with Him, a knowledge of the Lord, greater usefulness for the Lord on this earth. I cannot simply remain in my current Christian routine, my pattern of doing things and expect that I'm going to get there. And I'm just going to wake up one day and be there. He's calling me to a deeper walk. He's calling me to a deeper place. You and I as believers cannot live exactly today like we did yesterday and expect that we're going to, that things are going to be different and better. We can't. I pray that this will stir you up. I pray that it would stir me up. If the Good Shepherd is leading us, and He is, then I must follow. If He is moving me on, then I need to move on. Again, it's not necessarily something different. It's absolutely something deeper. It's something more. It's not a different doctrine. It's not a different Jesus. We're not getting off into something weird. We're talking about the Lord prompting us and stirring us on. You know, kicking the little bird out of the nest. Okay, you've been in this nest long enough with mom and daddy feeding you. It's time for you to spread your wings and fly. It's time for us to go on with the Lord to what He has for us. And if I'm going to do that, and if you're going to do that, there's a couple of things I have to do. You and I need to clearly and distinctly hear the voice of the Lord. We need to know it's God. We need to know that we're hearing Him. We need to know what He's saying to us. First of all, you need to know God's voice yourself. Not just what your Christian neighbor or your pastor says. Pray that would line up. Amen? But still, you and I need to be able to hear from the Lord ourselves. Number two, we need to trust God fully that He is going to help us and strengthen us and meet us. If He's calling us on, that I need to trust God to be there for me and with me in this new, deeper, fuller walk. Okay, I need to trust God completely. David said in the Psalms, trust in the Lord and do good. 
He says, verily, you'll enter into, so shall I dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Trust in the Lord and do good. So we have to trust the Lord. He's going to bring me to the land, so to speak, spiritually, and feed me that spiritual food that I'm desiring. The Bible says, we all know it, it's probably on your refrigerator somewhere. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge Him and He shall bring it to pass. And thirdly, and this is what we're talking about today, we need to hear His voice and know it's God and know what He said to us. We need to trust Him fully and begin by faith. And thirdly, we need to begin by faith to walk in His plan. We have to take the first step. We have to begin to actually walk in what we've heard from Him and what we're trusting Him for. We need to begin to walk in that. We can fail at any of those three points, but I think primarily maybe where we are and where I would typically fail is in this third point, beginning to actually walk in it. I do hear from the Lord, from His Word, if nothing else, I hear from the Lord what He's prompting me to do. I do trust the Lord sometimes, most of the times, and when my faith's weak, He'll strengthen it. But a lot of times, I, I hear His voice and I trust Him, and for some reason, I drag my feet. Do you know what I'm talking about? I delay. I hesitate. I hear Him. I believe Him. Yes, Lord. And then I don't actually follow through and begin to walk in it. I don't begin to practice what the Lord is speaking to my heart about. Henry Blackaby, who, who wrote the book Experiencing God, it's a wonderful book, wonderful study book. I'm going to give two quotes from him. A lot of things from that book stuck with me through the years, 30 years ago or whatever. And I read that and studied it, and I've taught it many times. But Henry Blackaby said, when God is calling us on, not just you know, to save us, but He's calling us on, something He wants to do through our lives or for our lives, it's going to require something on our part. It's going to require major adjustments, is the way he put it. It's going to require major adjustments in my life to actually walk in whatever he's showing me. This is the only way I'm actually going to arrive at the place that he is giving me a vision of or speaking to my heart about. I'm going to have to make adjustments in my life. I cannot live today like I did yesterday and expect to get to this new place where God's leading me. In Christ. All this, y'all, is in Christ. Again, we're not, we're not going after something strange fire or something like that. Um, he is intending for me to go, and I'm going to have to make adjustments to that to attain whatever it is for he, has, he has for me to attain and to possess whatever He has for me to possess. He makes another comment, and they're very similar. You cannot stay where you are and go with God. So just let it sink in for a second. It's simple, but it's so true. You cannot stay where you are and go with God. I'll give an example. Uh, we pray for the Foxy's outreach in our church every week, and I pray you do. It's one of the, the missions of our church right now. It's a very important mission of our church right now. Some of us have the privilege of actually going and ministering, but all of us have the privilege of praying and partaking in the fruit from that. And what if God said to our church, I know you're, you're ministering to little kids on Thursday, but I want to reach that neighborhood. I want to reach that neighborhood for Christ. And he drops it in our hearts and minds and says, and I'm totally make, making this up for an example. 
He says, I want on Saturdays, I want you to start going out there in early afternoons and, and you know, cooking or doing a Bible study or something out there in that location. And he says that. Now, we've been praying for God to bring revival to that neighborhood. He tells us what he wants us to do. And at th- that time, we say, oh, it's Saturdays. That's the day I watch football. That's the day I sit in front of the TV and I watch college football all day. That's the day I catch up on my yard work. Lord knows we have to, to do yard work. He understands that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's when we hear from God and even trust God, and He says, okay, I'm going to let you all in on a secret. I want to reach that neighborhood. I want to use Cornerstone Church to do it. Here's my plan, or at least initially, for reaching that neighborhood. And that's when we, that's when we drag our feet. But that, that's my only day... To, to relax or, like I said, catch up on laundry or whatever. <clears throat> God knows we have to do those things. But we can't stay where we are and go with God. I'm not putting something on y'all. God didn't tell me that that's what we're going to do on Saturdays. I'm simply giving it for an example. What if the Lord said, I want to reach the, the shut-ins. I want to bring people that don't have a ride and I want to start bringing them to Cornerstone. Not some other church, this church. Or people in that Foxy's neighborhood that are teenagers or whatever can't drive. Or some, some older people that can't drive. I want to start bringing them here. It's going to require me, and the Lord says, I want you to pick them up. It's going to require something of me, right? I heard from God. He's praying for something. Lord, bless our church. Grow our church. Use me. Do something wonderful in our church. He says, this is what I want to do. You're going to have to leave home an hour earlier, a whole hour earlier than you normally do. That means you're going to have to get your clothes out the night before. You're going to have to get to bed a little earlier than you normally would. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to walk with the Lord? Our life's a vapor. We just say it's going to be gone probably sooner than we think. Is it worth it to me to be inconvenienced? Jesus never looked at one thing. When somebody came up and grabbed him and said, Lord, heal my son, heal my daughter, she's at home. He never looked at it as an inconvenience. I do. God forgive me. I look at it as a bother. It's a little off my routine. It's out of my schedule. And I'll do it. And then I'll have to ask God to forgive me and help me to do it with the right attitude. You understand what I'm saying? We have to make adjustments in our life to go with God. We cannot stay where we are. We could preach this sermon and this theme, I guess, that the Lord's had us on for several months till the cows come home, so to speak, for the next 20 years of the life of this church, and we would never arrive and see the fulfillment of that with that deeper call and that walk if we didn't begin to step out and make some adjustments in our lives and relinquish it to the Lord and say, okay, that is the day I do the yard. You know I need to do the yard. You'll give me a day some other time to get it done. I'm going to go with the Lord. I'm going to do what You're leading me and prompting me to do. I'm not telling you all to do anything, so don't leave here and think that I am. I have not heard from the Lord on those things. But I know that He does speak to us and He speaks to our church. We did. I did... Believe I hear from the Lord schedule the time of prayer and fasting. We don't normally normally come to church on a Monday night and a Tuesday night. I'm asking that you would. 
Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that we would come and seek the Lord. We're not having the lunchtime thing. We I want us to all be here on those nights because I think God wants us to be here. We don't do it every week. We don't do it every month. I don't know how often we'll do it. I don't, I don't know when we'll do it again. But He showed me to do this one. And we need to make some adjustments. Is it? Do you think it will be worth it? Do you think God is worth it? I absolutely do. And I know that you do as well. It would be both foolish and unbiblical of me to think that I could simply continue in my same pattern, my same routine of life without making adjustments to the Lord, without bending to His will or to His prompting, and somehow end up in this deeper, fuller place that I've been asking Him to do. It would be foolish and unscriptural to do that. We have to make those adjustments. We have to bend towards the Lord. God called Abraham. We opened up with that. He was Abram at the time. Later, his name was changed to Abraham, a friend of God. But Abram, Abram was, uh, God called him out of his everything that was familiar. We know the story. I'm not going to go over the whole story, but God called him out of what was comfortable. He, he called him out of his kinfolk. He called him out of his homeland. He called him out of all of that. And Abraham, Abram had to actually respond to that. And that's why we read through the beginning of verse 4 where it says, So Abraham, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. None of the greater plans and purposes of God, they were God's thoughts, right? None of his, those great purposes and plans would have been fulfilled in and through or for Abraham had he just stayed put. He had to step out, right? The whole thing was a journey. The whole thing for Abraham from that moment to the end of his life was a journey. Physically a journey of moving and then spiritually of following God and trusting the Lord. The whole thing was a big journey. And he had to take the first step, right? You have to step. You have to step out and say, yes, Lord. He had to step out. I'm just going to read this from Hebrews 11.8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he went. We have to step out. None of, the, none of God's purposes would have been fulfilled had Abraham just sat idly there. And I could, I've got some other people that I can think about this because I want you to see it as a pattern. This was not just Abraham. Saul of Tarsus, when he was Saul of Tarsus, before he became the Apostle Paul, he had to actually get up and go into the city, Damascus, when the risen Savior met him and talked to him that day and said, when, when Saul says, what do you want me to do, Lord? And the Lord says, arise and go into the city and it will be told you what you, what you should do. Saul had to actually get up and go, didn't he? He had to go into Damascus and wait for a Christian man named Ananias who God spoke to to come that, that Saul would receive his sight because God had blinded him. He, he had to. If he wanted to receive his sight, he didn't know what all laid in store for him, but he had to get up and go into the city. That's all he knew. Just go to the city and it will be told you there. He had to go to the city to receive his sight back. He had to go to the city to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Ananias laid his hands on him and he received that and to receive his calling to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That all came 
as he obeyed and went into the city. Peter and Andrew and James and John, the two sets of brothers, all fishermen, professional fishermen, had to actually leave their nets and their boats and their livelihood. They actually had to leave it. They couldn't wave to Jesus walking off. They actually had to leave it when the Lord called them and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If they wanted to become fishers of men, they had to forsake that and follow the Lord. I think about, uh, they, they couldn't stay where they were and go with God, right? Just like Blackaby talks about. And I think about Nathaniel when his friend Philip came to him and said, we found the, the one that Moses and the Law and the Prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, we found him. And, and Philip said, I mean, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. Well, Nathaniel had to actually go and see, didn't he? He had to leave the fig tree he was under. And he actually had to go and see in, in order to, as Jesus told him, you're going to see a lot more than this, Nathaniel. You're going to see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He had to leave and go and see. He had to make adjustments to his life. For a lost man to be born again and become a saved man, he has to make adjustments. He has to, by faith, believe in the Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about a bunch of works or any works. But a lost man has to turn with his whole heart from the life they're living in sin and turn it over to God. Fully. Not partly. Not all. I want to add Jesus to what I'm doing here. He has to make adjustments in his life and, and simply by faith responding to the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross. And personally and truly believe in Jesus. The Jesus of the Scriptures. For a saved man, for you and I, saved men and women and young people, you and I must not only be willing to obey the Lord, we must actually obey the Lord. I'll say it again because I know that I've been guilty of the first. We must not only be willing to obey the Lord and agree with God that this is God, this is God speaking, this is the will of God. I must not only be willing to obey the Lord, whatever He commands, we must actually obey the Lord, whatever He commands. We must actually practice it. Empty professions are, are pointless. Empty professions are vain. They're not sufficient in order for me to possess the land. It would not have worked for Abram to say, yes, Lord. And a month later, six months later, a year later, find him still in the same place where he was with his family. Hadn't taken the first step on the journey. I believe you, God. I know that was you that spoke to me, and I trust you. If professions are not enough. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit along these lines, because when God is prompting us to something deeper, fuller, that may be uh, different for us. Okay? Different for us. We've never been here before with the Lord. I've never fasted. I've never really fasted and prayed before. I've shown up at the prayer meetings. I've never really been led by the Lord in how to fast. Whatever He's leading us to into something deeper or more. I've never really gone knocking on doors to share the Gospel with my neighbors. You know, if I run into one, maybe I would say something, but I've never actually gone out with the intent to witness. And He's leading us to something more. We can be absolutely confident that the Lord is going to help us. 
That, again, is a simple truth, but that is something He wants us to know this morning. And always, be sure that the Lord will supply to you and to me all the strength needed to fully do His will. Whatever He's prompting me to do, we can be confident in Jesus. We can be confident in His grace. We can be confident in His ability, specifically for us and specifically for the task or whatever He's calling us to do. I want you to get up earlier and pray. Earlier than you normally do. And you're already cross-eyed because you're so tired. You don't have enough hours in the day as it is. And yet God's calling me to do that. Be sure that God will give you the strength to do it. He will give you the grace to obey all He directs and calls us to do as, he, as we obey. I always think about the, the, the children of Israel when they finally were going to go into the promised land after wandering 40 years. And the Lord commanded the priests to bear the ark and the, you know, to, to march into the Jordan River, which they had to cross in order to get to the promised land. And it was the time of year when the Jordan overflowed its banks. The worst time of year to try to cross the river with all your children and cattle and everything else. And yet He commanded them to go. And it says as they walked down, they did obey. Praise God. And the priests are bearing the ark. And as they stepped out, you know, to put their foot where there was water, it, it dried up. And God split the water on both sides like He did the Red Sea. And they walked across, not in mud, but the Bible says on dry ground. Until they were, but it didn't part before. The Lord parted, and then we'll, we'll know we can do it. They began to march. God gave what was needed for the moment. That is a lesson to learn, isn't it? And the waters parted, and they crossed over, and they crossed on dry ground. Rest in His faithfulness. Rest in His faithfulness to you specifically. Not just this one of the attributes of God, the faithfulness of God. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to the call. And we quote this Scripture, I do all the time, from 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is He who calleth thee, who also will do it. And it doesn't even just say there that He'll help you do it. Faithful is He who calls you. That's personal. Who? The Lord, the One that's faithful, who will also do it. He is going to give me the strength to do it. Maybe He's calling you like He did me out of my group of of carnal lost friends that I had from 7th grade through junior high, through high school, through college. He's calling you out of the group of relationships to separate from people that don't know the Lord so that He can deal with your life and bring you on where He wants you to be as a believer. And you think, I couldn't possibly do that. I thought that. My friends are everything to me. God is God or He's not God. He's God of your life and He'll give you the strength. I can testify to the fact that He gave me the strength to do it. And it was like pulling teeth. It was, I thought it was going to be like amputating a leg to leave my friends. That's all I knew. And, and yet God got me out. And then He could start doing with my life what He desired to do. We have to rest in His promises to us. Rest in 1 Thessalonians 5.24 that faithful is He who calls you who also will do it. Rest in uh, what the Lord said to Joshua and to the people. I'll just read this from Numbers 14. If, this is when they came back and 
the ten, ten bar evil report about the land and the two spies, Joshua and Caleb brought a good report. And Joshua said to the people, if the Lord delighted in us, then he will bring us into the land. He didn't just say that I think we'll be able to do it. He says he will bring us into the land and give us, give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. He has that for all of us, y'all. I'm not talking about a physical land with milk and honey. I am talking about a deeper, fuller life than we've experienced. And it is for us in Christ. And He will bring us in. We have to step out. Make adjustments to our life. Go with God as He prompts and leads us. He'll bring us to a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Do you see what He's saying to us as a people? In addition to we should go on with God. He will always be with us and strengthen us specifically for the task. I'm not strengthened to do something that's not His will that I just dreamed up and said, God, come bless me and do it. I'm strengthened to do His will like Abram was strengthened to do the will of God when He called him out of Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. He was strengthened to do it. And He, is, he strengthens us Saul of Tarsus to become the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles. He strengthens us to do His will. He gives us grace for the day. He gives us strength for the day. He gives us peace of mind for the day. He gives us wisdom and direction for the day. And as much as He wants to show us ahead of time. Whether it's one step like the priest bear in the ark in the water, or whether He wants to show us a week, a month, a year. But we'll always have what we need when we need it. Always. And He wants us to, to rest in that. Allow God to remove from your heart and mind all fear and doubt. And a lot of times we don't. We don't allow Him to actually do that. You know, there are things we have to just say, take it, God. And He says, okay, I want to take it. And then we don't let go of it. God, take this fear. Take it from, Take this worry. All I do is worry all the time. Okay, I want to take it this morning at the altar. I want to take it. And we don't give it to Him. We have to, by faith, relinquish it to the Lord. Let Him remove from you and me, from our hearts, from our minds, all fear and doubt about the journey that lies ahead. I'm talking about the journey in Christ. I'm talking about what He has specifically called us as a body to and called us individually to. Allow Him to remove all uncertainty and all, all fear and doubt from that. It's all that uncertainty and doubt it's answered and it's overcome and met and overcome by the Lord Jesus Christ. All that fear and uncertainty about, I've never really done this before. I've never tried this before. And yet God's calling me to it. All that fear is met by our rock, Jesus Christ. It's answered by Him. By His very promises that He's made to us in His Word. By His provisions for us. Which... You name it, and He'll provide it for us if it's what we need. They're they sufficient. His, sufficient his, his provisions for us are sufficient, and they're continual. We don't use them up. And those fears and doubts about the, and uncertainty are met by the very presence of the Lord. The holy presence of a holy God with us at every step. Just like we read from Numbers with Joshua. The Lord is with us. 
Those giants, they're bread for us. We're going to gobble them up. They're nothing for us because only fear them not. Don't rebel against the Lord. Obey what God's told you. The Lord is with us. He will bring us into the land. We need to trust the Lord like that and His presence with us at every step. We need to believe that. Let me ask you, have you ever had a time in your life where God was not faithful to you? Have you ever had a time in your life where God let you down? He might have done something we didn't like. He might have done something differently than what we would have thought or even prayed for. But He's never been unfaithful to us. And He's still upholding us right now. Even in the things that you feel you've been, you're disappointed in and that hurt right now today. He's still upholding you. Or you wouldn't only be hurt by them, you'd be crushed by them. You would be overcome by them. You would have forsaken Jesus because of them. But you haven't forsaken Jesus in your cornerstone this morning. We're worshiping the Lord together. He's faithful. He's faithful to us always. I love what Paul says, what the Lord says through Paul in Romans 8, where he says, He that spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? So those fears and uncertainties about, oh, I've never done this before. I'm going to have to get up early and pick, pick, pick people up in my own car or whatever and bring them to church on Sunday mornings. I'm going to need my beauty sleep and I'm not going to get it. Uh, and he's, he, if He didn't spare His own Son, He's already given His best. Jesus on the cross to die for ungodly people. Me specifically. You think He's going to withhold other things that are lesser than His Son Jesus? Strength for the day. You know what I'm saying? Peace in our hearts and minds. Direction. Gas money for the, for the car. Do you think He would not provide those things, but He would offer up His Son, His only begotten that He loves, to die for us? But He, he would do that, but He wouldn't give us a little extra what we need for the journey. He will always. According as His divine power has given unto us all things, that pertain unto life and godliness through our knowledge of Him that called us to glory and virtue. It comes through our relationship with Jesus, our knowledge of Christ personally, intimately, saving knowledge of Jesus. Through that, He has given us all things that pertain to this life in Christ. I haven't necessarily uh, appropriated it all the way I should, but I can't. It's not a lack on His part there will be a lack of faith on my part or laziness on my part. But He's given me all those things that pertain to life and godliness. And we're going to read a couple of Scriptures here. I want you to turn with me. We're not going to be too much longer. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, 2, and 3. Well, we'll read 1 through 3. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Now, this is the time they're actually about to go in. They haven't gone in yet. And I want to read two scriptures that, that go along with this. Rise ye up, 
take your journey and pass over the river Arnon. Behold, I have, give, I have given into thine hand. This was to Moses earlier in the wilderness. Rise up, take your journey, pass over the river. Behold, I have given into thine hand Sihon, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, he says they rebelled against him. They didn't believe him. Now, there's three things to me. One thing is a theme in those three verses. We read in Joshua, I, quote, I read two from Deuteronomy. He says, I have given you this land. You go and possess it. And that's actually what I've titled this sermon. I don't always, I don't, don't always have little titles to my sermons, but this is, I have given you, you go possess. All right, And think about it. If you would say, well, if God's given it to me, why do I have to possess it? If it's a gift from the Lord, why do I need to possess it? Why do I need to contend with them in battle? Like he just said in that last scripture. Because that's God's way. Because that's what that's God's way. We, we think, and, and y'all, we're, we're pretty much close with this thought, but there's a thought today in Christianity that anything we do, human beings as believers, Christians do, that if we do anything, think we can do anything, that somehow we're robbing God of His grace. Somehow we're trying to serve God through works. And this is not, that thought is not biblical, but you hear it. You say, well, if God's given me the inheritance, or a deeper life, or a fuller life, or whatever. God's given it to me. Why do I have to possess it? Why do I have to do anything? And there's, because that's God's way. Wouldn't, well, wouldn't that be robbing God of His grace? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a worse, works-based religion? Wouldn't that be uh, taken away from the grace of God or contrary to grace? And I say, not at all. The Bible would say, not at all would that be contrary to to grace. We need to know our Bibles. Okay? We need to know our Bibles. We need to know, truly know the Lord. We need to discern what He is saying to us from His Word and by His Holy Spirit and not lean on popular teachings in, in a lot of the church world today. This hyper-grace mentality that is over-the-top grace, and I will say it on biblical grace, that makes grace everything. Grace is all in all. It's everything. You don't have to do anything. And if you do anything at all and respond to God, obey God, get up and go contend for the land, go possess the land, then you have turned into a works-based religion. You're trying to please God in your flesh and you have done despite to grace somehow. And there's a mocking and there's a scorning. Oh, if God can't do it through you, you think you can do it? Well, it's not either or. It's both. Paul says, I labor according to the grace that has been given me. Y'all understand that. He doesn't sit back and say, grace does everything. He says, I labor more abundantly than they all. I labor according to the grace that God has given me. But He labored. Believe me, He labored. He worked and it didn't take away from the grace of God, did it? It didn't take it all away from the grace of God or salvation by faith and grace alone. Faith alone. It didn't take away from that. 
And when he got to the end of his life, he didn't pat himself on the back and say, look at all I did for God. God didn't help me. I did it without His grace. That's, that's a messed up <laughs> theology. It's a messed up uh, interpretation of grace. It has fruit to it. And it has fruit to it. And there's a lot of lazy Christians that don't move. And a lot of carnal Christians that sit in front of filth on the TV and at the movies. And they say it's all because of grace. They can do that. And then if you're, you're not doing those things and you're striving after holiness, like the Bible says, that you are somehow trying to please God in your flesh. And you've gone back under works in the law and the Old Testament covenant and you're a Pharisee of Pharisees. Baloney. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Lord says, I have given you, you possess. I've given it to you. It's your inheritance. They are bread for you. Those giants, they're bread for you. Joshua had nailed it. He was right. Okay? Now you've got to get up and cross the river. You have to march around the walls of Jericho till I make them fall flat. And then when they do fall flat, you go up every one of you and take the city. I put the fear of God in those people and they're going to tremble when you even get close to them. But you have to do what I'm telling you to do. And a lot of times we don't. And I'm not saying that we necessarily... But a lot of the church world doesn't move because they're waiting on grace to zap them and actually transport them and pick them up and hover them over to witness to somebody. I know I'm being a little facetious, but the point is they won't do anything for God because they've actually been indoctrinated to believe that that's, they're afraid to do anything. I've used the example before. I heard it with my own ears. Pastor Randy, I, don't, I didn't read my Bible today because I didn't feel like it. And I thought if I did read my Bible, it would, just be me, it would just be me doing it in my flesh. I didn't come to Sunday school today because I didn't feel like it. And I thought if I got up and did it, it would just be a work and it would take away from grace. And that's just me trying to please God in my flesh. You show me that scripture. And I'll show you about a thousand others that say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Am I pressing works upon y'all? No. True faith has works though. And if I'm going to possess a deeper walk with God, He's going to show me something I need to do. I'll provide the deeper walk. I'll lead you into it. You want to be a soul winner? I'm going to use you as a soul winner. Maybe you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need uh, whatever it is. Boldness. Whatever it is, God will give me that. I'm going to make you that. But here's some adjustments I'm requiring of you. You remember your life belongs to me already. I bought you with my blood, right? So anything I require of you is not too much, right? And I'm saying, yes, Lord, you're right. Okay? So whatever He calls me to do, we just look to the Scriptures, faithful as He who calls you, who also will do it. He will give me the strength and it will be, yes, by His grace that I do it. It will absolutely be by His grace that I do it. And guess what? I will do something. James said, you show me your faith without your works, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. It's not faith or works. It's faith. It's works by faith. You understand? That was a sermon that that I've I've preached before, but I'm going to bring this to a close. That's not contrary to grace. When he says, I have given you, you possess. It's God's way. We labor by His grace. Paul says, I labor by His mighty work. I work by the mighty work of God that works mightily in me. I'm paraphrasing it from Colossians. 
My works are works, but they're works by Him who's working mightily in me and through me. By faith we obtain. By faith we actually realize our inheritance. Inheritance is not an ideal. Inherit, when I'm talking about an inheritance, we know that the, the children of Israel had a physical land. And we've read the Scriptures about it. I've given it to you. Go possess it. But for us, we have an inheritance in heaven, an eternal inheritance, that we have not arrived at yet. And that's by far the best part of our inheritance, right? No doubt about it. But there's also an inheritance for us in Christ today. There's a deeper, fuller walk for us and everything that's in Christ is for me. Everything in Jesus is for me right now, today. The peace, the joy, the love, Him loving people through me, which I might struggle with, Him uh, loving my enemy through me, which I definitely struggle with. Uh, all these things are in Christ and they are for me. It's a part of my possession now. That He wants me to walk in now. It's not just a warm, fuzzy ideal that's set before us that you never get to. He actually wants us to possess our possession. I've given it to you. It's your inheritance in Christ. I want you to arise and, and lay hold on it. I want you to take it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to enjoy Him, the Lord. He wants us to enjoy Him. This, is, this was uh, what the Lord said to, to Abram when he got to the Canaan. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. He wanted to actually get up and walk around in that land that he was given it. Not say, wow, this is really something. It's same for us in Christ. He wants us to get up and walk around. Live the life in Jesus. Live the life. Expect miracles. Expect God to do miracles for you. Expect God to use you to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Expect it. He wants us to actually get up and walk around in that. Live in our possession. Respond. Arise. Go. Follow on. Possess. We have this inheritance. And, and I'm close with two Scriptures. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 4.1, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. I don't want any of us to come short. I'm not even talking about heaven. The blood of Jesus and faith in Christ is getting us to heaven. But if any of us would come short of anything that God has for us in this life, the fullness of it, there's a rest in Christ. There's a place of abiding in Christ. When we got no money and, and things are... are, are, are look stressful and calamity all around and yet we got this peace because we're totally in the will of God and we know we're in the will of God. He wants us to, to live in that not come short of it. Not come short of Not get to this far and stop. Abraham had to go all the way to, the, to Canaan. And God had to lead him and God had to strengthen him and God had to protect him and God had to get him there. But he had to walk it out day by day and follow it. And the Bible says that we, we have this possession in Christ. D, you can come up. It says in Ephesians 3.19, I'll just close this with this Scripture. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I guess in a nutshell, y'all, that's, that's what I'm speaking about is our possession. Yes, we have heaven one day. Thank God we need to talk about it and think about it. But before we get to heaven... Our possession of, of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. 
The, the, the Bible is telling us in Ephesians, for the New Testament church, that is to be ours. Right now, today, that is to be our possession. And, and I would just simply say, He has given it to us. We need to arise and possess it by faith in the Lord. Amen? By faith in the Lord. And Father, we just come before You in Jesus' name.